Hello, and welcome to a special podcast from the Hoover Institution's Working Group on Foreign Policy and Grand Strategy, part of a series on global governance. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, and I'm joined today by Abraham Sofer, the George P. Schultz Senior Fellow in Foreign Policy and National Security Affairs at the Hoover Institution, as well as a former legal advisor to the State Department and a former federal judge in the Southern District of New York. Judge Sofer, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Now, we should probably start this conversation by defining our terms a little bit because in an essay series that is looking at global governance, you're talking specifically about the importance of something called specialized agencies to solve international problems. So explain what we mean by that phrase, specialized agencies. Certainly. Uh, in the UN, um, one has a number of agencies that do a number of different functions, and uh, many agencies at the UN are very political. Um, they uh, deal with issues that um, are complex in the political sense, and um, as a result, uh, these particular agencies are not good vehicles for good government. Um, on the other hand, there are many agencies in the United Nations or under the United Nations umbrella, some of them much older than the United Nations itself, that are what we call specialized agencies. And these are agencies that have grown up with technological fields that require uh, international um, administration, regulation, and um, governance. And these agencies, these specialized agencies, for example, the International Maritime uh, Agency uh, Organization, the um, Postal Service, for example, the world has a postal service because we have a um, specialized agency that created that service. The world has uh, airlines that cooperate with one another internationally because we have an uh, international civil, uh, civil aviation organization. These are the kinds of specialized agencies that I talk about in my article. What what's the the difference between the two? Why is it that these sorts of agencies don't seem to be as poisoned by the politics as some of the other ones that you're describing within the UN? Well, they're structured differently. Um, they often require um, unanimity, consensus. They call it. They uh, have they almost they all have uh, what they call technical committees which are committees of experts who um, prepare uh, proposals for consideration by the um, agency representatives. And the agency representation of nations generally falls into a pattern where there's a council of leading states and then a general assembly of all members. So the whole operation is intended to be professional, to be politically um, neutral in the sense that uh, everybody has to approve something and join something before uh, it becomes effective uh, uh, with regard to that state. 
Uh, and the, the remedies are generally very limited in the sense that if you join the civil uh, international civil uh, aviation organization system, you can have uh, airlines landing in your country. And if you don't, you won't. <laughs> Pretty simple, straightforward. There's no uh, uh, punishment other than the fact that you just don't become part of the system that um, the parties design. Now, you write in your essay, I'm quoting you here, that despite some rhetoric in favor of multilateral cooperation, especially by democratic administrations, the U.S. has treated proposed uses of multilateral bodies as dangerous and political rather than professional and biased against U.S. interests. Question for you there. Has that, has that reaction been overwrought? In other words, have we pulled back too much or is it fair to say that that general sense of reticence to those sort of institutions is justified? No, I don't think um, the degree of reticence that we have uh, with regard to specialized agencies is justified. I don't think our government uh, distinguishes emphatically enough between conventional political agencies of the UN and those functions and the specialized agencies on which our government and almost every other government in the world relies heavily. So I, I think that we are not sufficiently appreciative of specialized agencies and don't sufficiently exploit them for, for our national purposes. I want to talk about some of the new frontiers for these kinds of partnerships. You spend a lot of time in your essay talking about cybersecurity as an area that's ripe for this kind of collaboration. What's what's the outlook there? What are the reasons for favoring uh, an international approach to that problem? And, and what are the implications if we don't? Well, the obvious reason is cyber, uh, cyber, the cyber world is the quintessential transnational world. And the cyber problems are transnational problems. Uh, we bank transnationally. We have um, everything we do in terms of the regula regulatory world related to cyber has um, international ramifications. There are some states that limit freedom, cyber freedom, and that essentially is a national phenomenon. But in general, um, the cyber world is um, the, the ultimate example of a world which requires uh, transnational regulation. Are we, are we making progress on that front at the moment? I mean, are you at least seeing sort of the, the green shoots of the right kinds of partnerships on that front? Uh, not nearly as much as we could, I believe. Uh, I, I don't think it's an easy problem at all. Uh, we are, in fact, in an international system in the cyber world. We have um, a private uh, technical bodies that design uh, systems uh, and standards for uh, cyber, the use of the cyber system internationally and the use of the internet. And those systems are pretty good, but they are uh, very much designed to be efficient and 
not so much defined, designed to be secure. And we, the United States, has the greatest interest in cybersecurity of any state because we rely on it more emphatically. And there are certain areas of commercial work um, and uh, infrastructure work that uh, I think require uh, uh, enhanced cybersecurity, the financial area, the energy area where distributed energy systems become, have become critical to increased efficiency, uh, airlines, healthcare. There are many areas other than national security where uh, enhanced security would be a great boon to the United States and to all other states that use the cyber systems of the world. Do we need to be concerned that this is one of those issue areas where we might have to go through some major crisis, some catastrophic occurrence before policymakers really take it, not even take it as seriously necessarily, but make it as much of a priority as it needs to be? Yes, I'm afraid that is the case. Uh, I think that the problems, the political problems in getting um, the United States and other states to cooperate in a meaningful way in the cyber arena, uh, in those parts of the cyber arena that are feasible for cooperation, um, is it, it's very complicated. We don't trust each other. Uh, the United States doesn't trust China. China doesn't trust the U.S., there's a lot of um, rhetoric uh, in, in the area. The uh, Russian government insists that we cooperate on all sorts of military and national security issues where it's inconceivable to me that um, the state that states would cooperate or should cooperate for that matter. Um, but I think that um, in the long run, as we realize that the cyber war we are in uh, is fruitless and futile, um, we, will, uh, we will be drawn into greater cooperation. I just fear that, that before that happens, China and other states will attempt to create a new, uh, new systems of cybersecurity for groups of states just as they've created an international uh, bank for infrastructure development, and just as they went off and created their own alternative to GPS when we wouldn't allow them to participate in our GPS system. So I think that um, we may well uh, uh, have to have some kind of serious crisis before we adequately appreciate how much we need to cooperate in this area. So final question that I'll put to you, how do you read the political dynamics here? What are the prospects in your opinion? Where are the areas that you can see the U.S., apart from cybersecurity, making real advances in coming years as far as working through specialized agencies? And, and what are some of the areas where that approach probably won't work? In general, uh, I don't think specialized agencies work well in highly politicized areas. National security generally, uh, I think states will tend to spy on each other and there's no point in creating um, standards and rules that attempt to prevent states from doing what they're going to do. Um, so I, 
I would I would like to see states cooperate and use specialized agencies in in those areas that call for uh, specialized information, specialized talents and uh, expertise. Uh, healthcare, for example, we uh, have the World Health Organization, and it's becoming more and more essential. Um, and we're using it more to uh, force states to uh, share information about diseases and infections and things of that sort. So we saw that operate this last year in a very constructive manner, I thought, with the uh, Ebola crisis. We could have done a lot better. We will do better. But without uh, international cooperation on such issues, there's uh, it's, a, it's a terrifying prospect. Uh, but the fact is that um, a lot of uh, terrible things can happen and diseases can spread, uh, which we could otherwise control quite effectively. So that's that's the basic my basic feeling, and my my and my article attempts to tell people and urge the government to distinguish between these specialized areas where uh, states have proved that they can cooperate uh, in a very uh, effective manner with great positive consequences for all, um, and to use specialized agencies more openly, more robustly, and to give them more credit publicly so the state, so that people, uh, the citizens of the United States, could appreciate that even though all these agencies are UN agencies, this is one dimension of the UN we should all be very happy about. All right. Our guest has been Abraham Sofair, the George P. Schultz Senior Fellow in Foreign Policy and National Security Affairs at the Hoover Institution. You can read his essay and those by other members of the group by visiting Defining Ideas at Hoover.org. Judge Sofair, thanks for being with us. A pleasure. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.